<laughs> come on, come on. What's going on, Relentless Church? Yeah, I'm in the South, baby. Let's go. How y'all doing today? Can we listen? Can we just give Jesus like we're crazy? Come on, y'all. Let's give Jesus praise in this place. Come on, let's give him praise. My King, my Savior, my Lord. Come on, do you love the Lord this morning? And we just thank God for his goodness and his mercy and worship team. Man, y'all on fire this morning. You know, I'm a Baptocostal. Y'all ever heard of that? Yeah, it's a mix. You know, I don't know what's going to come out, but they, we were about to go Pentecostal in a minute this morning with that worship team leading us in that song. Just so grateful to be here. I want to just say this really quick. I love Pastor David. I mean, I really, I want to say, I want to give honor to him. And, um, and first of all, you know, we met, like he, like he said, about six years ago. There's some relationships in your life that cultivate over time. There's some relationships in your life that God just makes happen for purpose. And I felt like Pastor David is one of those relationships. We, we, we hit it off at this conference. We spent some time together and we were just kindred spirits. And I just want to honor him. And I want to honor his beautiful wife who I was just so blessed to meet this morning, his family. Can we give it up for our pastor, Pastor David? Come on. Yeah. And uh, y'all pray for me, man. I, I mean, I'm driving past Waffle House. Somebody mentioned Bojangles. Zaxby's, all this southern fried goodness. I'm looking at restaurants that's called like Mama something, and I'm like, that, that's got to be good. But man, I'm just glad to be here, man, just to, just to worship with you all today. And um, I just wanted my wife's back home in Chicago, and she's preaching this morning, man. Y'all pray for her. She's preaching this morning every new church. But I'm here to encourage you as I encourage myself, as we, as the body of Christ, the multi-ethnic family of God, continue on the mission that he's called for us. Are you glad to be saved today? Are you glad to know Jesus? And I want to encourage you in that. And basically, I'm just going, I'm just, I'm just going to talk. I got about an hour to preach, all right? I was just trying to see what kind of church we got this morning. You know what I mean? I just, <laughs> if, if, if you would have said, go ahead, pastor, then I, I know what I'm working with. But, you know, I don't know. This is 9 o'clock service, so I'm going to be safe. Matthew, the fifth chapter, Matthew, the fifth chapter, starting at the 14th verse. I want to encourage you today. And, uh, man, let God's word go forth. If you, it's going to be on the screen here from the NLT. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone, watch this, so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Family, I need a few minutes to preach from this subject. Let us burn. Let us burn. I was going to title this message, The Lit Life. But I don't know if y'all talk like that down here. God, we love you today. May your presence be apparent in your word. And may we honor you today as we learn how to burn for you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Family, let me make this announcement to you today. Uh, you may know this, but I want to just reiterate um, as, I, as I'm here with the people of God that the Lord has called us to a ministry of illumination. A ministry of lighting things up. In the darkness of this world, in the tragedies that we face every single day, in the disparities and the antagonisms that we witness on a daily basis in our world, that God has given you and I the ministry of illumination. We should be shining. Come on, somebody. We should be shining as bright as we possibly can. As a matter of fact, the great Dr. Martin Luther King said it. You know these words. He said that darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only what can do that? Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And family, I just want to encourage you this morning as we just kind of start this conversation that you have been given a responsibility, a calling, an anointing, uh, a credence, um, um, a dedication, burning and letting your light shine everywhere that you go. You know, it's funny. I spent a lot of my years in, in, in the faith asking God to do things that he had already called me to do. Anybody like that? You're like, God, I want you to rid the world of injustice and, and, and all the issues and all the problems that we face in our, in our community. And God looks back at me and says, well, go ahead and do it. Anybody been like that? God, I just want to see those who are broken and hurting on the street. I want you to just rain your glory down on them and let them change. And God's looking at you like, when are you going to start? That ain't my job. My job is to equip you with the anointing and the power to get the work done. But you got to get the work done. And what I want to encourage you with today, Relentless Family, is this, is that God has given you the responsibility the calling and the anointing to be a light wherever you are in the school system, on your job, in the neighborhood, in music and arts, in athletics, that God has planted you strategically to let his light shine upon the earth. Now, family, hear me today. Uh, I, I, I want to. I want to just extract from Matthew 5, Jesus is doing a teaching series. I mean, he is, if you, if you open your, anybody got paper Bibles anymore? Oh, Lord, have mercy. We need paper Bibles back, you know, paper Bibles. And, and let me tell you something, family, that, you know, you read Matthew 5, it's like just red letter, red letter, red letter, because Jesus is in the midst of doing a teaching series on how to conduct yourself in the world, carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ, how to conduct yourself amongst those in the world. And he gets to, he, he starts talking about uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and then he jumps here to, to the disciples telling them, you are the light of the world. That's how he starts this. You are the light of the world. Somebody say, you are. You are the light of the world. And what I love about this text, family, is this, is that Jesus calls the disciples something that they don't quite see manifested yet. Because watch this, that God is masterful at calling you something that you don't quite see yet. You're going to be a great nation. You're going to be a holy people. You're going to be peculiar. You're called out. And you're like, who, me? 
That's why some of us struggle because God speaks a word over our lives and because we don't see it manifest out in, our, in, our, in our life and in our, in our ministry, we think that God doesn't want to use us, but God is masterful at calling out of you what you don't quite see yet. You're supposed to live scared. That's country, ain't it? Just trying to make sure. You're, suppo- you're supposed to get a calling from God and, and, and tremble a little bit and say, what, what is this all about? When God calls you, when he, when he calls you and elevates you to what he's destined for you to do, you should shake in your boots a little bit. I remember an old Baptist preacher, when I first felt called to ministry, I said, give me, give me your best advice on preaching the gospel. He said, if you go up there and you don't have butterflies, then sit down until you get them because you've gotten too comfortable. And now it's about, but you need to have something in you that says, man, God's calling me to something bigger than me. Oh, he called me, he said, I'm gonna be this, and I, I don't see it yet, I don't feel equipped yet, I don't feel like I, I have the gift yet. God, God is masterful at calling a Moses to deliver a people when he doesn't have the skill set to do so. God is masterful at calling a shepherd boy writing songs in the backyard to be a king of a nation. God is masterful at taking a Paul who had hatred in his heart, killing Christians, and turn him around for the gospel, writing three quarters of our New Testament, the epistles. God is, are y'all here today? I just wanna, y'all here today? God is masterful at calling you out when you don't quite see it yet. And he tells his disciples, these ragamuffin disciples, because they were a hot mess, y'all know that, right? They weren't holy and righteous. They were a hot mess. He he said, ah, you of little faith. When are y'all going to learn something? Why y'all waking me up on this boat? Leave me alone. We can't cast out the devil. Some things only come out. But these same ragamuffin disciples that he is preaching to, he says, you are. And I can imagine this conversation where the disciples were thinking, well, you, you are. He said, yeah, I am, but I am now beginning the transformation and the transferring, rather, of this calling to you. You're the light of the world. Tell your neighbor if they're close to you. Just shout at them. Say, you are. And then shout back. Say, who me? (laughs) Yeah, you. I like that. I got to add that one. Yeah, you. Yeah, you. Yeah, you. What I'm trying to encourage us with, family, is this, is that, all right, you know, here's what I tell my church. Can I be home? We gotten used to this comfortable Christianity. The coffee's gotten better. Oh, it's good now. I mean, the snacks are next level. When I was growing up at New Mount Pleasant Missionary Baptist Church on the west side of Chicago, you know, come on, church. Did I hear Missionary Baptist Church in the house? You know, we didn't have snacks. You had to wait for the chicken to get done. Okay, y'all laughing. This is real life here. You know what I'm saying? The preacher's preaching. The mother's board is frying chicken in the kitchen. And you start smelling this. Y'all southern folks, y'all start smelling this fried chicken during the message. Nobody heard the message. Because we are just waiting to eat. You understand? But I want you to, I want you to hear me today, family, that 
The calling is now on you. He says, you are the light of the world. Then he says, you are a city on a hill. A city on a hill. Here's what I think Jesus meant by that. I think he meant that you should not be irresponsible to the point where no one knows who your light is for. That he has strategically placed us in the world to to burn, to shine, to give him glory. But if, if, if people don't know it, see, you're looking at somebody who lived secret Christianity. Y'all know that? You're at your job and you hear somebody say something like favored or blessed or say Jesus. And you're like, girl, I think she's a Christian. <laughs> and then you nudge him to the side. And you're like, girl, what church you go to? You know what I'm saying? You ever did that? You did it before? You're like, yeah, I think he's a believer. Like, we got this. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to pray this through. And I know this gets tricky, right, in public places. Not, but, but everybody in your space should know who you are. You are the refuge for somebody who's in captivity. That you are the light for somebody who's facing bleak darkness. That when there's trouble in any space in your world, somebody should be able to point to you and say, I know a light. I know somebody that'll pray us through this. I know somebody that'll talk me through this. We got to get rid of secret Christianity. Because a city on a hill cannot be hidden. I used to live for a few years in Phoenix, Arizona. I don't know. Y'all got hills down here or mountains? What's down here? Mountains and hill? Both. Yeah, so, so I, didn't, I, ne- I had never seen mountains before. So I'm driving in the valley, and I'm just like, whoa, there's like literally mountains around me. And at nighttime, driving down the 51, you can see these little specks of light all in the mountains. Because folks with good money were able to build houses in the mountains. Do you understand, church? That they were building houses in the mountain, and you would drive by, and you would just get a glimpse of this beautiful house in the mountains that makes me think of a city on a hill or a city on a mountain that cannot be hidden. Family, I just want to tell you, I'm just want to encourage you that your life should be burning and should be so bright, so much that when people walk past you, they say, what is it about you that may peace? What is it about you that every time I talk to you, that my spirit, my soul, my heart just becomes normalized? What is it about you that makes me want to change? Somebody say, you are a city on a hill. Now, when I got saved, like I've been, so I've been saved, all, you know, saved all my life. I was born on the back pew. My grandfather was a pastor for 40 plus years. I mean, I mean, that's all I do is church. I know church inside out. It's funny because when I went to college, my life got transformed. Like literally I had my salvation moment because, because grandma can teach you something. But man, when you, when you get that salvation experience for yourself, it's another level. And I was just had zeal. I just wanted everybody to know Jesus. I was just crazy about Jesus. And I did something crazy one day. I used to work at this department store and I was just praying for them every day. I'm like, Lord Jesus, get them. I want them to be saved. I want them to know you, Lord. I want them to know peace. And one day, this was so ridiculous. 
one day I came in with a vial of anointing oil, right? Because, oh yeah, here we go. I, I, got, I came in with, anoint, with anointing oil and I wasn't going to like pray for people like that. I was just going to like just, just secretly hit them a little bit like, Lord Jesus. Oh man, I'm, I'm dead serious. So I came and I got, I got my manager. Hey man, good to see you this morning. Praise God. You know, I'm just, hey man, good to see you. It's going to be a good day. And I'm hitting everybody with the anointing oil. And this one, this one lady at the register, I said, hey, good to see you, Pam. She went, ah! I was like, uh-oh. Uh-oh, we working with something here. I didn't realize that the anointing oil had like fragrance in it. So she was just I thought I was getting into some deliverance work, you know? <laughs> so I'm not telling you to me and just, you know, you know, s- you know, spray anointing oil everywhere. Like my wife would do her classroom. Oh, she prays for them babies. Oh, my goodness. My wife, she's been a teacher for 18 years. Every seat in that classroom. She's in Jesus' name. Let this baby come. Let this baby know Christ. Let them know peace. Let them know. I know every different situation, but I'm just saying, just the way you carry yourself is light enough for people to say, what must I do to know what you know? Are y'all with me today? Are we doing all right? So how do we burn? Because if I'm honest with you, family, there have been Seasons in my life where my light has been extinguished. Tragedy, heartache, uh, misfortune, trouble, backstabbing, relationships, sickness. All these things at times in our lives come to threaten that light. So how do we burn? I like to look at it through this example. I, I, I imagine that in Jesus's day, they weren't turning on lights. Amen. That they used oil lamps. And I want to use that as an example this morning as to how we can burn. I, I want to call us the wick. You'll see it up there. We are the wick. We are the ones that receive the fire of God. That comes through salvation, that comes through intimacy with God, that comes through a relationship with him, that comes through answering the call, saying, God, my life is yours. I want to live for you. We are the weak. We are the ones to receive. We are the ones that are postured. We were molded. Come on, church. Come on. We were molded. We were made. We were twisted up. Because I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus is working on you. <sighs> Can you work on me later? Because when Jesus is working on you, Sometimes it feels like everything's getting twisted and tugged on and, and, and just pulled on. And you're like, God, I don't want you to fix my language right now. I don't want you to fix my heart. I don't want, I, you can fix this, but don't touch that. Anybody with me? And the wick represents us, how God has created us, formed us, molded us. If you look at a candle, you'll see the little wick. It's twisted or it's straight. God has formed us and he has prepared us to receive. I want to do something right here. I call this a worship moment at my church. Can we lift our hands for a moment and say, God, I'm ready to receive. Come on, say it again. God, I'm ready to receive. Amen. So that's what the wick, the wick is ready to receive what? To receive 
the fire, but the wick, it sits in oil. Or in candles, it sits in wax. The wax and the oil provide foundation and stability for the wick to remain lit. The oil I want to call, this is my costal sign, the anointing, the ability of God to sustain the burn. What God places you in, what he smears on you as the Bible calls the anointing. What he smears on you, the anointing, the ability of heaven to be who God's called you to be rests in the oil and in the wax. God knows, family, that we need his anointing. We need the Holy Spirit's anointing to do all that God's called us to do. I want to help you this morning. You need to take a load off. What do you mean by that, PG? I spent years trying to mentor people within my own ability and my own strength. And it led me to a place of desolation because I failed to rely on God. That's why I had us lift our hands and say, I'm ready to receive because when God has called you to be a light in the world, I don't care if it's in ministry, I don't care if it's on your job, in business, in school, in arts, etc. When God's called you to be a light, you need to lean into his ability, his anointing, his strength because God can do more in five seconds than you can do in five years in your own strength and ability. Are you here today, church? And I'm praying for a gospel-centered, Jesus-centric church that gets back to the reality of trusting in his anointing and trusting in his power and trusting in him alone. Oh, we got cute. Church, we've gotten cute. I've gotten cute. Oh, man, I could, listen, let me tell you something. I'm a church boy. I can have church anywhere. (laughs) Did you hear me today, Relentless. Put me in the parking lot. Give me that sister that was singing, you're worthy of it all. Give me somebody over here who can grab a table or something like that. And we just going to have church. Put me in the middle of a cornfield. That's what we got in Illinois. Give me, give me a cornfield and I will, I'll cut some of them stalks down and make a little room so we can preach and, and get the band a little space. And we'll have church. I'm telling you, I'm a church boy. And the problem with that is that we've gotten so good at church. Oh, we good, man. We got all this. It's good, man. We good. My church is getting on my nerves. Oh, they're so good. They're so talented. They're like, Pastor, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And then you're going to come up. I'm like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And this. They got all the nice videos and everything. I'm like, man, this is great. And I love doing good church. But we got to never forget Sometimes it ain't our good church doing. It's God's powerful being to say, Lord, you know what? I'm going to always remain in a posture of needing you and relying on you. Now, come on, some of you old business owners and teachers and educators, and you need to walk in there and say, God, I'm just, I know I'm good at what I do, but I need, to, I need your anointing today. 
Come on, some of y'all who serve this church week after week, I know, I know how to do what I do. I'm good at it. I'm called. I'm skilled. But I need you. I need your anointing. And if we remain in a place of being surrounded by, being smeared by that oil, that wax, then God will do more through our lives than we could ever imagine. But if we leave it up to ourselves, we are limited to our gifting. And a gifting without the anointing is just good stuff. It's not transformational. Are y'all here today? Are we good? I'm just trying to help the church understand that we need to rely on God. Lord, let Relentless Church be so dependent on Jesus. Let Relentless Church be so dependent on Jesus and his ability and his power. Let all the preaching be dependent on Jesus. Let all the singing, let all the greeting, let all the outreach, let all the ministry opportunities, let them invade Raleigh and Cary and, and, and garner and all these cities with the love of Jesus so much so that they can turn around and say, it wasn't me. It was God in me. It wasn't me, it was God in me. I know you like what I do, but it's God in me. That's what is compelling you, my friend. It is Christ in me. So Jesus, so we are the wick to receive. We rest in his ability, not ours. That's the anointing, that's the wax, that's the oil. Now that we're ready, God, he pours down his fire. He lights you. And ain't nothing more beautiful than a lit Christian, man. Woo, y'all here today? Not, not, not just a professing Christian, hallelujah. A lit Christian. Everything I do is for Jesus. I'm on fire. And that's what God's trying to get us to. When he says you're the light of the world, it's not about you being good. It's about you receiving his goodness, his light. The fire represents God's presence. And that we are ambassadors of this gospel. We need this in the multi-ethnic church. Our church is multi-ethnic as well. I love this church. This, this is it right here. Oh, we can, we can do this, man. I see all kinds of colors here. And I love it. It's beautiful. Nations, colors, languages, Revelation 7. And I'm going to tell you something today, family, that I believe, I'll say this to other multi-ethnic churches, this is what I preach to my church every week. I believe that the church is going to be the answer for the injustices that we see because we're making space for nations to sit at a table to honor Jesus in such a powerful way, a gospel-centered multi-ethnic movement where we don't ostracize, that we love the marginalized, that we speak up for those who are oppressed. Are y'all here? I know y'all do that here. Me and Pastor David can go to town on that all day long. But having an imagination for all of us at the table, every nation, every tribe, every creed. The fire does that. The presence of God does that. It brings us to the table in mutuality saying, you know what? We're all brothers and sisters in Jesus. Now we go out there and compel them to come. So we are the wick. The wax and the oil is the anointing, his ability, and then Jesus places his fire on us. And the last thing I want to say to this, this is this. What's produced in a candle 
or in a lamp is oxygen, which keeps the flow of the fire going. As I was praying about this, I felt the Lord show me that the oxygen is the community, is the mutuality. Let me tell you something, family. Are y'all here today? Y'all good? When my church stops talking back to me, I got to make sure they're not asleep. You know what I'm saying? It's my last point. Listen, we were never called to live life in isolation. As a matter of fact, when we live life in isolation, that's when the devil pulls out his boxing gloves and he puts us in the corner and he goes to town. Isolation breeds this very dangerous road map because we don't have our brothers and sisters to lean on. A lot of people suffer through the pandemic because of isolation. And many of the reasons why our church was trying to just get back in proximity was because of this oxygen that we needed. We needed to be lit next to other people. Because oxygen is what keeps our fire. Now, you know, I used to preach for a long time a very individualistic gospel that God wants you to do this with you. And I used to tell people, go back to your home and in your secret room and in your secret place where no one sees you. And there is a place for that because the gospels address that. But the reality is, family, in order for you to stay lit, you got to stay around lit people. Because the day your fire starts to diminish, you get around a sister that says, what's wrong with you? Y'all got people like that here at Relentless? What's wrong with you? We say in Chicago, fix your face. (laughs) And if you got some good church mothers here, we ain't having no church till this thing is right. They don't feel right in here. Because that kind of beautiful Community accountability was always designed by God. He said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. God, since the beginning of time, has lived within community. He has always led and spoke to communities and nations and generations. Even the epistles with Paul was spoken to communities of house churches. It has always been about togetherness. And if we don't have the oxygen of togetherness, then we're liable to have a dim light. But man, I'm gonna tell you something. I don't know how y'all feel, man. I know I'm a church boy, but man, I could have the week, the worst week ever. I could walk in this room and hear that worship going up and see my brothers and sisters lift their hands and all of a sudden that light starts, it starts coming, it starts getting, it starts flaming up a little bit. You're like, oh my goodness, this is what I need. I need it to be in my small group. I need it to be amongst my brothers and sisters. I need to get on the phone and say, listen, My light's growing dim, and I just want to encourage Relentless today that God has called us to a togetherness gospel, a gospel where we engage the world, not in individualistic living, but in community. And together, tell somebody next to you, I need you. You need me. I was about to sing that Hezekiah Walker song. Y'all know this song? I need you. You need me. Yeah. Come on, church. Pastor David, you need to start a choir in this church. (laughs) The stand. A church knows gospel music. I'm home. I need you. And in this world 
in this world where we are taught that you don't need nobody. We need to have a gospel-centric response to that. That is not true. I've seen people, countless people over the years, I don't need nobody. It's me, myself, and God. And I look back and say, well, how's that working for you? God never designed his people to live in isolation. In order for your fire to burn, you must get around other burning people. Can I encourage you to assess your circles in your life and say, God, do I have enough burning people around me? And could it be that my light is so dim because I'm not around other burning people? I have a friend back in Chicago He just loves to pray and worship all day. I'm not saying that it's, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But I like to golf. I do. You know what I'm saying? I like to play basketball. But I can't go nowhere with him. I'm not even kidding, man. I hope, is this live stream? I don't know watching this. <laughs> my buddy, my buddy, we'll go golfing. I said, Greg, you know, I was just praying last night. Man, I saw a vision of your family, man. God's about, I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm trying to, I got 170 yards. Give me a minute, Isaac. We go out, to, I'm dead, I'm not even exaggerating. We go out to eat and we're just talking, we're laughing, talking about stuff. All of a sudden, mm, when he does that, oh Lord, have mercy. I'm trying to eat. But when he does that, mmm, I'm like, here we go. You know, brother, I just see such a heart of sensitivity in you. I'm like, okay, man. Can I just pray for you right now? And I never let him pray for the food. I'm not even kidding. He prays for the food. We didn't pray for the nations. We didn't pray for the government. We didn't pray for, we didn't pray for the city. And, every, and he's just, now, no offense to, you know, I know we got some folks like that here. I'm just, no offense. And, and I'm like, Isaac, bro, I just want to eat. But you know what? At the end of the day, man, I love that dude. Because God placed him in my life because I'm, I'm an apostolic leader. I'm a builder. I'm a planter. Leaders and planters, we build stuff. We plant churches. We start things and movements. And oftentimes that gifting gets void when it comes to intimacy. So my light can't even burn without Isaac. Because Isaac will say, I love that event you did last week. That looked great. A lot of people there. and looked like an awesome event and uh, whatever it is, music or church. He's like, but how's, how's your heart, Greg? How's your, how's your marriage? I'm going to get out of my business. <laughs> Ain't that annoying when people like really love you? Like they really love you? How's your marriage? Well, uh, how's your marriage? You know what I'm saying? Ah, it's like when people really love you, it's just the most annoying thing in the world. Because I want to talk about what we're building. He wants to talk about what God's building in me. So when I think about this, brother, I just thank God for him because he's a part of my light burning. And I want you to do the same thing that I've had to do. Assess your circles, even if it's uncomfortable. 
Who needs to be near me so my light can keep burning? Let me end with this, family. He says this at the end of this text. In verse 16, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Family, listen to me. This is not good deeds in terms of you being good. This is your availability and response to his fire, his anointing, his oxygen. Good deeds come out of that kind of life. But what I love about this text is that he said, so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. Let me tell you something, family. God wants you to have a lit life, not so that people get to know your name better, and not that you can be in lights, camera, action, and not that you can become somebody. It's to give him glory, because everything we do is to point people back to Jesus. I love that. He says, I want you to burn And I want you to shine because I want people to to look at me, to point to me. And I have to assess this in my life consistently to make sure God is my preaching pointing to you. Is my service pointing to you? Is my ministry pointing to you? Is my business, is my job, is my occupation, is my vocation pointing to Jesus? Because the reason why I'm a light It's not for people to become dependent on me, but for me to be the conduit for people to get to you. Come on, church, and listen to me. Now, 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 I joke around in in Chicago, we got got brothers on the street with bullhorns. They're like, you need to come to Jesus now. And they have chairs sitting out there in the city. And one time I sat in the chair, I just want to see what they're going to say. You need to come to Jesus because, you, you know, your life is, is you know, you go. Come to Jesus. You know, you get damnation and this. And I'm like, wow, bro. You know, I'm not against anybody's evangelism method. But I found that being lit is just more powerful. Because when you're at work, and you're a light, and you're in community, and you're lit, you become attractive, not for you. And people say, what must I do to be saved? Sometimes in people's most tragic moments, if you're lit, help me. Now we have a pathway to Jesus. So God gets the glory out of our lives. Does anybody want God to get the glory out of your life? Come on. Does you want God to get the glory out of your life? Shout, let us burn. Shout, let us burn. Say, let us burn. Let us burn. burn. Say it again, let us burn. Let's stand together so we can pray. God, we just thank you today. We thank you, Father, that we are called to be the light of the world and that you have called us something that we don't always quite see yet, but we receive what you are forming us to be. As the wick, Lord, we rest in your ability, your anointing. We receive the fire of your presence. And Lord, we live by the oxygen of community. Lord, let us go out of this place 
in the restaurants, in the stores, at the gas station, in the schools, and let us burn. Why? So that people would look to us and say, where is that Jesus that you are representing? So, Father, we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. Family, if we can take a worship moment, just lift your voice and just begin to praise him. God, we love you. We worship you. You are, you are everything to me. I'm nothing without you. Oh, Lord, I love your word. I love your presence. I love your instruction. I love your love. Thank you for your grace. I receive your mercy. Oh, how wonderful it is to know that I am a child of God. And today I worship you and I praise you. And I will forever burn for you in the name of Jesus. And for those whose light is dim, God, I pray, Lord, that these tools would help them to burn again. And may their lives never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give Jesus praise, y'all? Come on. Hallelujah. Listen, what an honor it is to be with y'all today. And I hope you were blessed by God's word. I love you so much. I'll be back, or hopefully to hang. Meet me at Waffle House later this afternoon, all right? Let me pray a blessing over you. May the grace of God, the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit, rest, rule, and abide upon these precious people and this precious church. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed. God bless.